I'd love to start out with a riddle. Um, I like riddles. I like, you know, like brain teasers, stuff like that. Uh, and I got one for you, and if you know the answer to it, you can just shout it out right now. Um, it doesn't matter if Facebook Live can hear you or not, but I'll hear you, and that's all that really matters here. Um, or on Facebook Live, if you want to answer it, I'll read it later and see if you got it right. Um, but what walks on four legs in the morning, two in the afternoon, and three in the evening? Anybody? Um, I'll give you like two more seconds while I, while I start something real quick. The answer is man. So in the morning is the younger part of our lives. We crawl. We, we learn to walk. And as the afternoon comes, we walk on two legs. We learn to walk. And some of us uh, walk with a cane during the latter part of our life. It's not as much an insult as it is just a metaphor. Um, but it shows the aging process. So the time of the day represents the time in our lives. And I'm going to talk about a very important time in everyone's life, a very impressionable time, a good time. Um, if you make it a good time, some kids, you know, they're a little grumpier than others. I've learned that in my time in youth ministry, but everybody ends up having fun, so that's all that matters, and they learn about the Lord. But we're talking about kids. We're talking about our next generation. We're talking about the importance of our next generation. And before I start, no, this isn't a call to volunteers. I'm not calling you to be a volunteer. I'm not trying to persuade you. This isn't like a propaganda message or anything like that. If you'd love to come volunteer, I'd love to have you. Um, we're going to be doing some more outreach stuff, which is what I want to announce before we really get started. We have our fall festival coming up. This is the propaganda. Um, but we have our fall festival coming up next month on the 29th. Yeah, it's a Saturday. And it's going to be 4 to 6, like it was last year. It's just going to be a couple hours. Um, and we do need volunteers. There's so many kids in this community. We had such a great turnout last year. Um, if you want to come out and help uh, I know Leslie joined me. Kristen won't be able to join us this year, and you know I'm not going to force Leslie to do it, but we passed out flyers. We walked across the whole back neighborhood there just passing out flyers. Kristen went to a local school this way that I still cannot remember the name of it for the life of me. A local Christian school passed out some flyers there. Um, I'm sorry I forgot your name. If any of you guys from that school watch it, I apologize. I just don't remember things super well sometimes. But we have a fall festival coming up, and it's a great outreach. It's a great way to love on our community and love on kids. We had a great turnout last year, and I want it to be even bigger this year. we got so many things planned, and we're going to not meet, but you'll be able to meet with me September 21st on a Wednesday night, either before or after. I'll be there. You can sign up for something if you want to sign up. You can ask me some questions, but I need some volunteers. It's an awesome outreach, and since we're talking about the next generation, I figure I'd mention it here, that we're going to be able to reach a community of our next generation and help build the church and help build our community. And with that being said, um, you know, I hope you come out. Um, I also have hoped that you have an excellent week so far. Um, I hope you had a good week getting here. If you haven't, then I pray for you. But today we're going to talk about our future, every child here at Stony Brook, every child in our community. They're our future, whether we see it right now or not. They are the next generation of the church. They're in the next generation of leaders. They're the next generation of wherever you want to put them. They could be firefighters, um, janitors, uh, accountants. You know, name the career. I just named three that I thought off of the top of my head. But they all can be that for Jesus. They can all be those things for Jesus. But it's not this message. You know, I have no kids of my own, so I have no right to do a how-to on parenting. Uh, our parents here, you guys are superheroes. Um, love y'all. I think y'all do a great job. Um, especially those that give me advice. I appreciate it because ultimately it's my and Kristen's dream to have a family of our own. And seeing examples of people parenting is great for us. And I'm, again, I'm not telling you the how-to on parenting. This is telling you the how-to on interacting with kids and raising up a next generation of the church and the next gen of our leaders, the people that are going to change the world. Because whether you believe it or not, 
if we instill properly in these kids and we share good values, good morals, good habits now, little Jacob back there could change the world one day. He loves talking to people. I'm going to tell you what, he could talk to anybody. He could talk to a brick wall if you let him. He will, he will talk my ear off. He could do that for Jesus. He is the sweetest kid in the world. I use him as an example. Bryson could be a baseball player for Jesus. As much as he loves baseball, I hope he goes further than just right now. Abby loves writing and poetry and all that stuff and stuffed animals and cats. I hope she does something for Jesus with that. And Anna, too. Anna loves the same thing. It's so funny they love the same things as sisters. They both end up loving the same things. But they could go be great for Jesus, too. Riley is smart as a whip. She is the smartest kid at her age I've ever met. She could be something great for Jesus. I'm just mentioning a few right now because I see them a lot. I interact with those, especially those five, a lot. But they could do so much for Jesus. They could do so much. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to have just a little sit down of three points because I'm very like point breakdown kind of guy. It helps me focus because I could go down a rabbit hole talking about Jesus all day long, but especially with our kids. But um, like I said, I have no kids, not even in two weeks, a full year of marriage under my belt. Um, you know, why would I address this in my ministry? I prayed about it a lot, and uh, as one of my old volunteers at my previous ministry said, if the Lord puts it on your heart, you talk about it. And that's what I did. I wrote this one out. So this is a brand new sermon. Y'all are getting this for the first time ever. I've never used this one, so bear with me. I am going to be very nervous because I've never spoke on this, but the Lord put it on my heart, and I want to share it today because I love our kids here. I love them so much. They bring joy to my life. I tell you, I come on a Wednesday night, I'm having a bad day, I'm annoyed, Um, my weed eater's not working, so I end up fussing at that all afternoon or something. I come here, and as much as people would think, they probably, you know, push my buttons to no end, because they do, they do, they love to push my buttons, they love to find every button to push with me, but I love them so much, they bring so much joy. I could come here having the worst day possible, and interacting with our kids just brightens my day so much, and it's so important to interact with them and love on them, not just the parents, but all of us. All of us here have some kind of direct interaction. I've had a couple, you know, a few folks here, if you want to raise your hands, that volunteer for our BBS. Anybody volunteer for BBS? Anybody help out with that? Yeah, we have a few. Yeah, we have a few. Uh, they had a direct impact this past summer with our zoo life trip. The families and parents that came and grandparents had a direct impact with kids. There's so many opportunities. We could have so many opportunities to interact with kids, not just here at Stony Brook, but with the community. And I'd like to start out if you don't turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians, to chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to grab a sip of water while y'all get there. I'm practicing taking my time, too. This is me learning how to take my time when I speak instead of talking a million miles an hour and then, you know, nobody understanding what I'm saying. And I apologize for sitting. I have a very sore ankle today, so if that bothers anybody, I apologize. It's just very sore, and it's annoying to walk on it right now. Uh, It was... Yeah, so that's why I'm sitting down. Don't know if it bothers anybody, but if it does, I apologize. But we're going to read, if you're there, I'm going to start us out. And it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Wow, what an, awesome ver- what an awesome set of verses there. Um, moms, I'm going to include you in some stuff later too, but moms, you are awesome. You're all superheroes. Uh, my mom is my number one superhero. She's not here with us this morning. She has a migraine. She would have been here, but she celebrated my birthday with me yesterday, so that was awesome. Um, but 
moms, you're superheroes too. I'm going to tell you, I, I can understand half the stuff my mom put up with me that you guys have probably put up with with your own kids. I know I was a headache to my mom growing up, but I'm so thankful she stuck with me and instilled good values in me. And we're going to talk about having a village to help raise the kids. My mom surrounded me with a village that were full of people that loved me, that got me through some tough times, that helped me overcome some things. And we're going to talk about it more. Uh, and today we're going to break it down into three basic truths or three basic examples or things that we need to think about when interacting and reaching our kids. Um, the first one being, it's not how we parent, it's not how we correct or discipline, it's how we interact and re react. And you might think, those, those words sound familiar, um, but I'm going to give you a dinner definition, sorry I can't talk. Uh, the term interaction is defined as follows, communication or direct involvement with someone or something. And the term reaction is defined as the following. An, inter an action performed or a feeling experienced in response to a situation or event. Two very different things. I have a tendency to want to just react sometimes. Uh, I'm a dog parent, so this is my little bit of parenting that I have. Gibson, my, my pride and joy, my, my not very smart boy. But um, I love him so much. But, like, he's, he's testing my patience. I know it's nowhere near the same thing as a kid, but my mom says, you know, this is like a little tiny, little itty-bitty practice. Gibson tests my patience to no end. He'll try to steal food. He'll do anything bad that he thinks he can get away with, expecting never to be disciplined. And it's something that always he's just trying to push my buttons. And I have to learn to, inter I have to, learn to interact with him instead of just reacting because I can easily just go pop him on the butt and get angry. Um, and obviously I do discipline my dog. But... And I'm not comparing dogs to kids before we get here. This is just my little bit of experience. I don't have a whole lot. Um, you know, I've interacted with the kids here, but obviously I'm not their parent, so I can't discipline the same way as their parent. I can talk to the parents, all that stuff, but this, this is my example. Uh, but I could easily react, get furious, just lash out, get angry, but instead I choose to interact and teach. Um, it's the same way I've seen it a lot of times at my home church and at the church I was at previously. There were, there were two dads that come to mind. I won't some of them actually watch, so I won't embarrass them or say their names because they're very private guys, very, very you know, reserved guys. Um, but they gave me the greatest, inter greatest thing with this. Um, one of their kids broke a $100 vase at the church. It was one that like, somebody donated. It was really nice. It was a very, it was a very beautiful vase. Um, it was like $100. I mean, you know, to, to a lot of people, it's not a lot of money, but that was a very precious gift that somebody gave, and it was something that was in memoriam of somebody their kid threw a football and broke it. Shattered it to a thousand pieces. There was no fixing that vase. How he responded, though, was different than every, anything I ever known in my life. Because I didn't have the greatest father interaction at home. So I had never seen this until I saw this guy right here as a teenager do this. Instead of lashing out, freaking out, yelling, and screaming, he asked his child, do you know what you did wrong? His child responded, yes, I broke the vase. Why did, why did that happen? It's because I was playing football where I shouldn't. And obviously he got punished, but instead of lashing out and going straight to anger, he interacted with his kid and talked about it with him. And it's such a great thing to interact. Um, here in Titus chapter 2, verses 2 through 8, we're going to read. Uh, if you want to turn there while I talk just for a minute more. Um, I'm a button pusher. I would have been the exact opposite of that kid. I've been trying to make my dad mad or make my mom mad. I'm a button pusher. I've gotten a lot better about it as I've gotten older. Um, Kristen doesn't think so because I push her buttons all the time. Um, like I, I love to. It's, it's just a bad habit. I love pushing buttons. I love being annoying. Um, I try to be as nice as I can and not push buttons. As I, it's like almost second nature to me. I have to think about it and be so conscientious about it. 
But as a kid, I pushed buttons all the time. If my mom was here, she, she'd probably be amening, amening in the back because she'd be back there in the back row. She'd be amening or like screaming out yes, you know, all that stuff about me getting on her nerves and pushing her button. But my mom, as she learned in parenting, she told me it wasn't about lashing out at you guys. It was about making sure you knew what was right. She wanted to instill what was right. And I fell short, but that was my own shortcomings. That was my own problem with sin. But I knew deep down what my mom had taught me, what my grandma had instilled in me, what, as you'll hear later, I'm going to say it again, our, my village instilled in me, and one particular member of my village. And I've heard that expression a lot. Um, Leslie actually shared it with me sometimes, too. I'm sorry to embarrass you or put you on the spot. But I love it so much. It takes a village to raise a kid, because it really does. It takes a village. And my mom surrounded me with a great village. And that's why I wanted to use that quote, because I loved it. But we're going to read Titus chapter 2, verses 2 through 8 real quick. And it says this. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they urge the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign... Sorry, I can't talk right now, with God, with the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything set an example by doing what is good in teaching, show integrity, integrity and seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. How we interact with kids, the image that we project to kids, who we are to kids means so much. Our kids say all the time, Chris, you're so fun. We enjoy hanging out with you. And that's not bragging on myself. That's, that's just something that makes my heart warm. It makes me happy to hear the kids love. And they love learning, actually. A lot of them love what we talk about. And they like that I talk to them instead of just teaching a lesson. I talk with our kids when we teach. I read, I talk, I ask a question because I want to have a conversation with them. I want them to learn. I want them to set an example for these kids. I want to be somebody that these kids can look up to. I encourage you all to be the same thing. Be people to interact with the kids, not just react, because we could have kids running through the church, and we've had it before. We have kids running through the church, you know, full of energy, excited, and it's great to hear them. It's great to hear them playing and loud, and sometimes we just want to react and get mad and say, hey, stop running. You know, that's, that's one of my immediate reactions sometimes. Like, I really want to just say, hey, stop running. But instead, I interact with them and say, hey, guys, let's stop. Let's go outside. Let's go do this outside, or let's go play back here. You know, things like that, simple things, or let's go spend some time together. Let's not just react. Let's not just get angry and get, get just react at them instead of actually knowing them and being that positive influence. We could be that difference in them. You could be a part of their village. You could get to know them. You could be one of those people. You could be one of those positive influences that aren't at home. Um, I'm thankful for the village my mom surrounded me with because there were so many positive people. I didn't have a great father example at home, but I had a great father example everywhere else. There were so many godly men that had a good impact in my life. Even when I fell short, they didn't give up on me. They pushed me to do better. And they pushed me to get out of where I was. And I'm so thankful for that because they interacted with me instead of just reacting and saying, oh, he's just a drug addict. Oh, he's, he's addicted to this. He's addicted to that. He's partying. He's doing all this stuff. I'm going to give up on him because it's too tough. Instead, they interacted with me. They still called me every week or text me or asked me to do stuff with them, hoping that one good interaction would change my life for the better. And it did. It did interacting with kids. It's so easy to do the way the world wants us to do and react the way the world wants us to and just get angry and lash out and freak out. 
But we have to interact with these kids. We have to be a positive example of these kids. We have to interact with them. We have to be proactive in their faith instead of just reactive. We have to be involved. We have to actually be involved to help them grow. We're helping nurture them. They're like flowers. They're like a young flower. We're helping nurture a faith. Eventually, it'll be one of their own, but we need to do the steps to help nurture that faith in the early stages. We need to be there. We need to interact and be a part of it. Uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 2 through 3, if you want to turn there with me. I know I'm kind of flying through some of these, but it says this. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, be, but being examples of the flock. When I think of, when I think of like effective interaction and effective, effective interaction with kids, I think of a shepherd. I think of that job particularly. Shepherds in biblical times were so involved with their flock. Their flock was their life. It was their source of income. It was their source of food. It was all these things. And I'm not saying in that similarity, but the fact they were so proactive with their flock. They were so involved. They were so different. I mean, you see examples of David fighting off large animals back in the Old Testament for the flock of his father. That's a normal example. They will fight off wolves, whatever came at their flock, they were going to defend their flock. The same with parents in here at the church. We need to be willing to defend our kids and take care of our kids and be proactive with our kids instead of reactive. The shepherds looked out for the best interest of their flock. Each and every home here has a flock. Everybody has somebody they're looking after, or you're a part of a village. I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. Hopefully you take that today, but we need to be proactive. A shepherd is super proactive. They're very involved with their flock. I encourage parents, I encourage volunteers, teachers, coaches, anybody, be proactive. Watch over your flock. These kids that parents entrust to you, if you're a volunteer anywhere else, these parents are entrusting you with their most valuable treasure they have. One of the most valuable things they have in their life, their child. Some, someone they care for, someone they look after. They are very valuable. That, I think of that every time you guys send your kids back with me. You were giving me your most valuable treasure for just an at, like an hour of the day. Your most valuable treasure. They are that important in my eyes because they're that important in your eyes. And I encourage you as volunteers, as people of the church, to view them as that too. We don't get them for that long. And time flies. They're not going to be this small forever. They're not going to be this young forever. Eventually, they're going to be that next generation that I'm talking about. We need to value the time we have and interact with them right now. And I want to go to our second point. I'm going to transition and try to move. I actually talked way longer than I needed to on that point. Sorry. Um, but <laughs> practice makes permanent, not perfect. I know all the people, they have the old expression, practice makes perfect. No, it does not. In my eyes, it does not. That's my opinion. We can, we can butt heads about it, but I'm going to be right because I'm always right. Just kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> but let's turn in our Bibles real quick while I get a sip of water to 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. So I'm going to go ahead and start. You just join in as I go. And it says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and in training in righteousness, so that... The servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Any baseball fans in the room? 
Anybody here a baseball fan? Yeah, got, got some. I, I know you. I know you follow college baseball pretty hard because we were at that game. We were at the game a month ago or so, and you were just on. You were on your phone watching the ECU game, seeing if they were going to start. Um, but I played baseball growing up. I started my sophomore year of high school. I played little league, all that stuff. But I started high school baseball in my sophomore year for JV, and I had a coach that actually said our said our point here. The coach always taught me that Chris practice makes permanent. It does not make perfect. Because I can practice a bad habit a thousand times and never get better. I can practice that same bad habit. One with me was always dipping my shoulder. I'd, I'd think I'd hit the raw really good, but I'd keep dipping my shoulder and trying to hit the ball up, and I'd pop the ball up, or I'd hit a line drive straight at the shortstop. I'd never actually get the ball where I wanted because I'm not. I don't have any control when I dip my shoulder. That was one thing we worked on all the time. And he said, Chris, you need to be practicing the right things because practice makes permanent, not perfect. So I kept practicing over and over, but I practiced the right things. And eventually I got better. I'm not saying I'm an amazing baseball player, but I did get better when I practiced the correct things, when I practiced good habits instead of bad habits. And for our parents in the room, uh, you know, it's real easy for your kid to pick up a bad habit, right? Real easy, real easy. And that's what I bring this up is we need to be instilling those good habits. And a lot of our parents here are really doing that. And I, I appreciate that for you. Like, your kids are so polite all the time. Uh, they call me sir. I really... I secretly hate it because it makes me feel old uh, when they call me sir. But uh, Bryson one time said, yes, sir. I was like, Bryson, you don't have to say that to me. Say it to other people, though. It's very good to say that. Don't say it to me until I at least hit, like, 35. L let's see if I'm here. <laughs> Sorry, no, no offense, but <laughs> I, I'm not ready for it yet. I'm not ready for it yet. Um, I, will, I will do the same thing as still my kids to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, because that's how I grew up, and there's a little old lady in Plymouth that will hit me across the back of the head with a cast iron skillet if I don't teach that. My grandma is very adamant about that. She taught me that all the time. I know some people I've interacted with and said that. They don't like me to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, sir. They, they, they say, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that, but I'm like, there's a little old lady. I promise you she's going to hit me as hard as she can, and she hits really hard to be 85 years old. Um, and I'm like, no, I can't do it. I, like, there's just somewhere. I told the kids one time, I was like, she's got a good arm. She might be able to throw that, throw that fry, frying pan from Fl Plymouth all the way to Boswellville Road to hit me in the back of the head. So you never know. I'm just, I'm telling them I'm being careful. But the point is saying that uh, when we practice bad habits, it becomes difficult to get rid of them. Kid, kids especially, I was really bad at biting my fingernails. I'm still really bad at biting my fingernails. It's a bad habit that I cannot break. I'm working on it. Um, I gave up on the gym thing. My New Year's resolution is just to not bite my fingernails as much and maybe try to grow them back um, because, you know, I give up on the gym thing. Everybody gives up on the gym thing. Um, if you don't, then you're, you're my hero. Um, but anyways, uh, the same is true with kids. Without proper guidance, it would be impossible to know where to even start. We have to communicate with our kids, teaching them how to overcome certain obstacles uh, that they'll face. Making friends, that's a big one a lot of times with kids, is teaching them how to make the right friends and good friends and be a good friend. Uh, or even learn how to ride a bike, getting good habits in that, because, you know, that was a tough one for me when I was growing up. My grandpa took off the training wheels um, before he went to be with the Lord. He took, that was the last thing I remember, like the big, th big life event we tackled together is the training wheels. And I would ride my bike, and I'd just boom, because I, I just would not learn and practice how to have proper balance on my bike. So I'd always crash. I'd always fall. That was my bad habit that I had. I never wanted to ride my bike correct. I always thought, eh, you know, he'll be there to get me. But uh, we have to take attention to this now. We can't let bad habits develop. They are the future and part of the body. They are going to be a future part of the body. They already are. Um, we're developing them, growing them, teaching them, 
leading them to baptism, to be baptized, and to be a follower of Jesus. We need to start training them and teaching them right now how to be a part of the body. How to be a part of the body. And we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 20. You guys are getting there. I'm going to get to the next verse that I need to be at. Because this Bible is actually a part of the sermon. It's actually, uh, actually has more meaning to the sermon than, than its original context. So let me get to where I need to be for that. And it's going to be right, right over here. So, yeah, right here. All right. Leave that there. So we're going to read here in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20. Just as, the bo- just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we, are, we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given... Sorry, I do this because the print's a little bigger than... In my Bible, uh, the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong, belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, has, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The future of the church is right here and now. They are a part of the body. They are going to be trained up and m- trained to move out and be a part of the body and do great things. I know right now I'm trying to instill in our kids that. I need everybody here to do that too. And I'm not saying you're not, but it's an encouragement to be a part of that. Encourage people. Encourage these kids. Be with these kids. Share with these kids. You know they love, they love life stories. If you teach them a lesson, there's nothing more they enjoy than hearing a story that involves a lesson. I share all the time about my life, even the embarrassing parts. I told a story about when I threw a fit in Walmart because I didn't get a Pokemon the way I wanted to show, to show a biblical lesson, to show how selfishness can cloud our vision to things. Um, you know, I share stories with them. They love that. They love to see, they love to know you as a person. And I encourage you to train them. They're going to be a part of the body. They're going to be the body. We're not always going to be here. I'm not always going to be here. We need to train them now because they're going to be the future. They are our future. They're going to be spreading the word. They're going to be doing what we're called to do right now in the future. And we need to do it now because we don't have much time with them. And I can't stress how important that is. We don't have that much time with them. It's fleeting. It's so fast. My mom said it was like one moment you were born and the next I was sending you off to college. I mean, she said it goes by in a flash. Like, it just seems like it goes by so quick. And I don't know if that's that way with everybody, but my mom especially, we're really close. And, you know, I was her first, so I mean, you know, I'm, I'm special. She, she always tells me I'm the favorite. Not to my brothers, but she tells me I'm the favorite all the time. But she says it's just like one moment you're here and the next moment I'm sending you off and you're gone. And it's that way with our kids right now. We only have so much time with them. There's only so many days in the year. There's only so many years before they go off to college. There's only so much of this or that. And I know I'm thinking way ahead in the future and not to worry any of our parents right now that have some. Uh, but we only have so much time with them. I can't stress that it's so important to be 
helping them, encouraging personal prayer, reading the Bible together, teaching them to serve, and so many other things. We have to instill that in them right now. We have to help them practice that because practice makes permanent, not perfect. If we're teaching good habits, it'll be a permanent thing, not a perfect thing. It won't be perfect because there's only one perfect, one perfect person, Jesus Christ, and that's it. But we can strive to chase after the image and teach our kids to do the same thing. The last point, and I said it like four or five times, it takes a village to raise a child. It 100% does. I look back on the people that my mom had in my life. Um, just using, using her as an example, she shared that quote. She said she has a village. Leslie has a village of people that help with Riley, that love on Riley. Um, you know, I hope now I'm one of them because I, I love Riley to death. She's a sweetheart. She's smart as can be. Um, she, she has a very bright future, and I tell her that all the time, and I encourage her to chase after her dreams. I know her parents do. She's just one I pick on right now because Leslie gave me the quote, so I'm picking on them a little bit. I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing y'all a little bit, but um, I love y'all, and I appreciate that piece of advice because it sticks with me. Um, I may not be a parent at the moment, but, some, but as someone who has not had the best example of a father figure in his home, it's my dream to be a dad. That's my number one dream. I love ministering. I love being serving for the Lord, but it's my dream to be a dad. That's like my one, I guess you could say, selfish dream, but I want to be a dad. That's my one thing. I want to be everything to my kid that my dad was not. And my dad is trying, as I mentioned the last time I had, but I want to be there all the time. I don't want to just be there after all the hard parts are gone or after all the tough parts are gone. I want to be there through everything. I want to be there through them with their first steps, everything, all the way leading up to college and after college, I mean, they're going to be stuck with me for life after, after they're here in this world. So. But I want everything for them. And with that being said, I'm thankful and beyond blessed for the village that stepped in to care for me. There's so many I could name right now, and I'm already going way longer than I normally do, uh, but, so I'm not going to name all these people, but there's so many people I could name right now I'm so thankful for and so blessed to have in my life. But we're not going to do that right now. And they're in my village uh, they helped raise me, helped me become the man I am today. But it does take a village, whether it's family, friends, teachers, daycare workers, coaches, so many others that have a direct impact on our kids here at Stony Brook, at SEC, or in the community. Let's read Proverbs 22, 6 real quick. You don't have to turn there. It's only one verse. I'll read it to you real quick. Um, start, off, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. This verse speaks to me so much because I fell short. I fell off. I... I was away from the Lord. I chose other things. But because there were people that instilled the right things in me, I knew I, knew I had to turn away. It eventually got to me. Um, they kept reaching out to me. They kept interacting with me. Even though I fell short, they still kept pushing me to be better than what I was. And I was an adult at that time. They still were interacting with me. My village still stayed with me after I was an adult. They were still people that cared about me after I was an adult and after I grew up. Um, and, you know, I just have to say, again, I've said it a lot during this one, I'm blessed and honored and privileged to be able to interact with your kids here at SCC. The ones we have, the ones we're outreaching to, I hope that I can be a good influence for your child as their youth minister. I can be somebody that instills a faith in them and helps you guys instill a faith in them that will last a lifetime. And I pray for each of them. <laughs> I go home and Chris, Chris, Kristen tells me, you know, you got, you got to stop. Like, I'll have a time during the day where I will just sit there and pray for our kids. It's something that I've instilled the past couple months because I, they've just been on my mind so much. They're on my mind all the time, and I want to outreach to more and build our group and grow our group. But there's a time that I sit there and pray for just our kids, just our parents, stuff like that. I pray for them, and I pray for each of you by name. <laughs> it's a habit that was taught to me by one of the people in my village that I'm going to mention. 
And I was privileged to have this person in my life, a person that my parent, my mom trusted, my grandma trusted. And I include my grandma and my parents because my grandma helped raise me, my granddad helped raise me. But this person they trusted in my life, and his name was Bob Molden. I've mentioned him before, but he just came up in this, and I prayed about it a lot. And I was like, I just got to mention Mr. Bob one more time because he was a good father in the faith and a good mentor to me. Uh, and I'm thankful for my mother allowing him to be part of my Bob taught me. Bob, if he taught me anything, he instilled one important piece of information with me that sticks with me to this day, and it's found in the book of Matthew, and that's why I brought my Bible. This Bible was given to me by Bob Molden when I graduated high school. Bob has gone to be with the Lord. He's gone to reap his reward. I'm overjoyed that he's gotten his reward. Um, he's one that I chase after, and I've made a prayer similar to that of Elisha when Elijah went up to heaven that I get a double portion of what Bob had because Bob was a man devoted to God, and I want to be the same thing, and I strive to be the same thing for our kids. But it says this in verses, chapter 6, verse 33 through 34. Let me get right here. But seek first the, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Bob was very much in the here and now. He was a man that was solely focused on his mission. His mission was to share the gospel with people. He was a part of my village. Even when I fell off, when I was involved in stuff I shouldn't have been involved in, Bob still called me to help him work. He knew I was using that money for something else, but he still called me. He was hoping that one day, that one sit down at lunch, that one, mo one yard mowed or uh, corn picked and cleaned, because we did that too. Um, we did a lot of corn and stuff. He was hoping just one of those times would be what would get me back to the Lord, what would get me back to where the path that him and other people in my village pushed so much because they saw potential in me that I didn't see in myself. And I keep this Bible with me. I mean, this thing's going to be with me until it falls apart. It means more to me. I don't bring it out a lot because I'm scared that I'm going to mess it up because I'm a clumsy person. I'm going to be honest. Um, but, this is, but until the day of his death, this man lived out this verse. He didn't worry about tomorrow. He was worried about who he was going to reach in the day. He was worried about the here and now. And that's what I encourage you guys to be. Instilling the same kind of mentality. I have prayed this prayer a lot in the past couple weeks because I had to sit down with the minister at home church who was also, you know, Bob was a father in the faith then as well. And we both prayed for the same thing. And I pray your kids find a mentor like that. I, find they, I pray they find somebody, and I, I pray that, you know, I pray this prayer all the time. If it's not me, it's somebody else. Somebody is influencing those kids like Bob influenced me. Uh, just like Elisha prayed and asked the Lord for a double portion of the faith that Elijah had, I pray the same thing about Bob, and he's been an excellent mentor. And I do miss him greatly, but he was an excellent mentor that pushed me to this day, and he was a part of my village. There are other people in that village that I can mention, but he's one that just sticks in my mind all the time. I say all this to bring, us, bring our thoughts to this. Be proactive in the search for your own village. Be involved. Put people in your child's life that are going to encourage them to be the best possible them they can be. Because I heard, again, another wise piece of advice. We're not raising kids. We're raising future adults. We're raising kids that are going to be a part of this body. We need to start thinking about the future, that these kids are going to be the future of our church, be the future of our government, be the future of our community. There are going to be so many things. I tell the kids all the time, you can be anything you want to be. I encourage you. I'll help you chase your dreams as I can. I'll pray for you. I'll help you study. Um, but like with Bryson with baseball, I know, I know I end up, we end up playing too much and all this stuff, but like he loves playing baseball. So I go in there and just throw him baseball and let him practice hitting. I know it ain't quite the same, but you know, it's something to me. Like I help him out. Now, I'll help these kids chase their dreams. I encourage you to be the same way. Help them chase their dreams. Be proactive in their life. Be a proactive village. Don't be one that just reacts. Be one that's actually going to push these kids to be successful, godly adults in the future. 
these kids, this is my closing part. And I know as someone with no kids, I've said it multiple times, I can't do the how-to. But this message wasn't that by any means. It was an encouragement to our church and churches as a whole to reach our, gener- our next generation. These kids need to be reached for Jesus. We have to invest into our future. If we don't invest in our future, we won't have a future. We have to now. It has to happen now. It can't happen tomorrow. Like what Bob always told me in that verse in Matthew, tomorrow's going to worry about itself. We need to focus on the here and now. It's not a put it off to tomorrow, because I promise you, I've said that plenty of times, and tomorrow never came for that thing. I put it off for so long. Um, With the leftover school supplies we had, it took me a week to put them in a box to get them to a school this week. Um, So I put it off and put it off. I'm going to tell you now, if you say you'll put it off to tomorrow, you'll do it tomorrow, don't do that. Say, I'm going to get it as soon as I can. Live life how Bob instructed me, worrying about today right here and now, serving the Lord right here and now for these kids. And as someone striving to be a positive influence for the youth here at Stony Brook, it's something that needs to be brought to light. When thinking about things we should be instilling in our kids of this generation, uh, I'm sorry I didn't include this Bible verse. It came to me last second as I was praying this morning, but uh, Philippians 4.8 comes to mind, and it says the following. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, and whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if any of if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In, close, in closing, parents, grandparents, family members, volunteers, teachers, so many others, I pray for you. I'm letting you know right now, I pray for you. Um, it's, it's such a tough job. It's a demanding job, and it's not always going to be easy. And again, speaking from the kid's perspective, because I, you know, I'm talking just, just perspective of my mom and my people that were involved with me, we can be annoying sometimes. Kids can be annoying. I'm going to be honest. I work with kids. I know it. I love them to death, but sometimes they do push your buttons, and I see it more, and I learn it more from some of our, fa- our parents here that have given me some advice on stuff, and I appreciate that, um, but because I know there's times I push my mom's buttons to the max, I'm thankful for the example her, my grandmother, Mr. Bob, and the rest of my village set for me, pushing me to not only grow as a man and as a future adult, but in my faith in Christ as well, pushing me to be the next gen of the church. I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for my village. They pushed me to chase my dream. I got laughed at in school for wanting to be a youth minister. Like all the kids kind of, you know, kids, are, kids can be dumb sometimes, especially in high school, kids can be dumb. Um, they, put, they laughed at me for my dream. And because of my village pushing me and saying, hey, that's not a dumb dream, that's a great dream. You want to change people's lives. You want to change kids' lives for the better. I'm here right now. They pushed me and challenged me, even in the low points, even in the valleys of my life. They were with me in the lows, and they're with me in the highs. They were with me in the valleys, now they're with me in the mountains, that kind of thing. I'm so thankful for that, and I challenge everyone here to be that. Old or young, because I, you can be that. I had a 67-year-old man that went on every mission trip with us when I was in high school. Awesome guy's name is Mr. Jerry. He went to be with the Lord. I'm thankful he got his reward, but he was with us every trip. He's like, I'm not too old. I can get out there and be with these kids. Now, I don't recommend you doing like him. He tried to race one of the fastest kids in youth group and ended up falling and bruising his, bruising his hip or something. I wouldn't recommend doing that because like, I told him he shouldn't probably run because Mr. Jerry wasn't a great runner in the first place. But be that person. Be a Jerry. Be a Bob. Be a whoever you can put in your mind. Be a part of that village. And parents, I encourage you to surround your, surround your kids. You're probably already doing an awesome job of that, but I just encourage you to keep finding people to put in their lives, people that are going to encourage them and help them grow. Thank you for listening to me. I went a lot longer than what I normally do, uh, but I appreciate y'all listening. I'm glad I got the opportunity to speak. Uh, Mark, I hope you're feeling better. This is a little side note. I hope you're feeling better. 
Uh, but I'm going to pass things off to Mr. Steve and Mr. Joe and let them wrap the service up, and i got to go see what this apparent surprise is.